0: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of SapChat. I'm your host, Jerren Main. Now before we go any further, let's tackle the elephant in the room. Apologies for the lack of recent episodes. The first rule of podcasting is consistency, and I've been anything but. afraid work and family commitment somewhat overtook me, but I've got some great guests lined up over the next few months, none better than today's. Now, sustainability has become a massive focus for all businesses and citizens over the last few years. Christian Klein had a major focus at Sapphire, so it's great that joining me today is Zachary Dover. Zachary is the Sustainability Principal at SAP UKI. Zachary joined SAP through the Sybase acquisition back in 2010. I know, it feels like yesterday, doesn't it? He's been in various roles in the last 12 years, and prior to his current role, he was a business architect, helping organisations to become intelligent enterprises. Zachary got into software via studying electronics as an apprentice engineer in the Ministry of Defence. He moved into the private sector in the late 1990s and has been with software companies both large and small ever since. Non-paid work includes three years as a school governor, and he's been a listening volunteer for the Samaritans for the past five years. Having been the sustainability principal at SAP UKI for just under a year, he was attracted to the role as SAP's sustainability strategy focus was not only on moving towards zero emissions and zero waste, but also our collective journey towards zero inequality. Hi and welcome to the show, Zachary.
1: It's great to be here, Jaron. Thank you for the invite.
0: No, thank you. I appreciate you. You're a very, very busy man. Now, as I said in the intro uh, and from your your bio that you kindly sent me ahead of the show, um, you started off life as uh, an electronics apprentice engineer in the MOD. Now, when I read that, I was kind of thinking of like uh, someone like Q from James Bond that created maybe kind of exploding ferrets or something like that
1: wow were you really goodness well that wasn't my experience jaron we <laughs> mucked around a lot with radios I that much and i did at one point build a, a an old school crt oscilloscope wow yeah it was kind of fun
0: and so that that then started your career in technology uh down, down through the lines and in, into software
1: yeah exactly so so i was studying electronics and um that naturally sort of led into computer science because you're starting to program e-proms and things like that for, for, for technical people, we had to build a turtle that went around a maze and found its way back. So that was easier done with some code. Uh, so that got me into computer science, and I looked at that. And, and the way the wind was blowing, uh, electronics is important, but you know there was a lot more job opportunities um, uh, if you were doing something with software,
0: jaron uh, Completely, and uh, I think it's a very good place to be, uh, dare I say that. It's been very kind to me, certainly. Now um, you found yourself uh, in in the role. Uh, I say found yourself. That's being a bit unfair, really, isn't it? You, you you've 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 been you know, moved into the role as the sustainability principal at, at uh, SAP UKI. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what that entails.
1: So yes, I I had the opportunity to um, do this as a fellowship for six months last year. Mm. Um, we we were noticing in SAP, and then, uh, sorry, but then it's been made permanent since, right? So it's a, quite a long job interview, but I'm very pleased <laughs> to have done it. Um, we were noticing in, uh, in SAP UK and Ireland that actually more and more of our customers wanted to talk to us about sustainability, mm-hmm. yeah? Um, we do have uh, we were building some sustainability solutions we've got lots of other solutions that support customers on their sustainability journey we've got a lot of things we do from an exemplar perspective uh, to do with sustainability if you think about corporate social responsibility and business with purpose and those kind of things so what we wanted to do in the UK and Ireland business is actually um, put someone in post who can actually explain to customers what our journey's been like but also talk to them about how we can help them on their journey right so I'm, I'm interacting with customers most days talking to them about you know not only what we're doing right which is important because i think it gives us you know gives us some credibility in the space yeah but also what we're building and what we're trying to do um, uh, in our offerings and products to help them with their sustainability imperatives too so it's a client facing role um i talk to a lot of people i hear a lot of stories about where people are and you know my, my job is really to try and you know get sap alongside these organizations so that they can you know move towards this world that we we foresee of you know zero emissions zero waste and zero inequality
0: yeah I was going to ask you I mean sustainability is a huge term I and mean, when when you when you say sustainability and you start to pick underneath the covers it, it means a multitude of things in lots of different areas but I mean as as uh, you you've mentioned I uh, too have found that from an SI perspective in my world that this has become really really important it's become a, a key focus and I'm just interested in your view what what do you think is is driving that is it is it customers themselves is it their customers is it regulation or all of the above
1: it's probably all of the above jaron actually Mm -hmm. i mean if i think if i think about sap first yeah um uh, and then kind of move on from there but sap's purpose for the last as long as i can remember 10 years plus our purpose has been to help the world run better and improve people's lives now when i first joined you know sap back in the day um that didn't really mean that much to me it wasn't that important Actually, mm-hmm. but when you talk to people now who are joining SAP, you talk to our interns or um our grads that are coming into our academies, um, it's very important to them. It's very important to them as stakeholders within the business that we are seen to be sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean from an SAP perspective? Well, we look at sustainability, our strategy really has two legs, right? It's it's what we do, what we do as a business. So You know, how are we being sustainable? How are we reducing emissions? How are we reducing waste? How are we promoting social equality and corporate social responsibility? So, the exemplar side of things. But then we've also got the enabler side of things. So, what products and services can we offer to customers to enable them to move forward on their sustainability journey? Now, why are we doing that? I mean, well, we've been doing this for a long time. You know, I could talk to you about all the things that we are doing, but Actually, if you look at it from a, a more holistic perspective, you could look at sustainability as the new frontier of digital transformation. Mm. You know, actually, it's that big a deal. Um, and if you look at the intelligent enterprise um, that SAP talks about, we're now talking about the sustainable intelligent enterprise and embedding sustainability metrics within your end-to-end business processes. So, it's it's a twofold thing. So, uh, stakeholders, and when I talk about stakeholders, I don't mean shareholders. I mean Shareholder capitalism stakeholders right so yep. there's, a, there's a different definition but stakeholders who everyone who's got a stake in your in your organization they're now demanding that we look at sustainability so our customers are asking us what are we doing about sustainability uh, our partners are asking us how do we partner together to be more sustainable mm-hmm. and, um, our employees are saying well what are we doing to be a more sustainable business so actually it's, it's driven by stakeholders. Yeah. Um, and actually, SAP's history in this matter is quite, you know, we've been producing an integrated report, for example, for the last decade. Yeah. And that integrated report um, uh, talks about financial and non-financial metrics. So we've got the three Ps, really, Um. Uh, prosperity, people and planet in there. Um, we've been doing that for 10 years. That's, you know, it's a long time to be publishing this. And the thing. We had a sustainability dashboard in 2013. So you could see things like the gender mix in your team. So we at right. SAP have been doing this a long, long time, yeah? Um, so our customers are looking to us and saying, okay, you've been doing this, how do we do that, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's got its focus. But also if you think about things from um, a regulatory perspective, Um, You know, the UK government is committed to reduce greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions by 78 percent by 2035 compared to 1990 levels. That's massive. Yeah. So there's regulation coming down for us, you know, for the government to kind of make that happen. Um, But also there's more of a um, more of a focus now. If you think about, you know, we've been through a pandemic. Lots of people have experienced things that they've never experienced before. Communities have become tighter. Mm. We're all thinking about, you know, we're, we're, lots of us are still working from home. Yep. Yeah. And we're doing those kind of things. And, and, and perhaps we've become more aware of the planetary boundaries we're living in. If you think think about things of climate change, there's that 1.5 degrees of global warming planetary boundary. If we cross that, there's going to be a problem. There's other things like um, ocean acidification, um, ozone depletion was one. Remember when yep. we wanted to change our fridges, all those kind of things.
0: Yeah, aerosols.
1: Fresh water usage, fresh water usage, land system change. So all these things, people are thinking about these things more, and they're bubbling up through business priorities, right? So it's it's really twofold. It's twofold. It's stakeholder expectation is driving this, and the optics of being seen to be doing this is driving this, and also regulation.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. You were talking about the uh, the, the the sort of younger cohort that are now joining. Us as organisations. I was reading a, a report by the Lloyd's Bank Business Barometer this morning, and they were talking about you know the the interviews being turned on the head because um, the interviewee becomes the interviewer, if you like, in terms of well, what what is your carbon footprint and what are your sustainability credentials? Can you prove that?
1: We've seen that as well. Not me personally, but a, a colleague of mine um, has, has has told me a story that she heard from a partner where that indeed, actually, they were going around to, you know, they'd made offers <laughs> and actually, you know, people coming back and saying, well, I'd like to accept your offer, but actually it's a, it's a candidate's market. Yep. So, you know, t- tell me what you're doing in these spaces. Why should I come and work for you? um And actually that's probably not a bad thing, right? <laughs> it's probably not a bad thing. It's making us focus in. Completely. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 So no, w- w- we're hearing that. I haven't seen it personally. Um, but actually, this this is a big focus. I mean, uh, uh, my, my children still at home, still at school, um, and quite often we have discussions about this. Mm. And they they are they are the ones in my house that uh, have led the recycling charge, right? So yeah. you know, they're yeah. they're the people you know, the little ones in the house, are making sure that we're putting the right things in the right bins. Um, and we're doing more than that, you know. And and you know, we often have conversations. There's a little splash park in the town that you know they turn it on and water comes out and the kids can you know use it but yep. you know they're petitioning to kind of get that the time that that water's on uh mm. reduced it a little bit because actually it's fresh water that's potentially being used you don't need it on all day um so yeah it's interesting the way the way it's going and you know what people are saying about this
0: so we we started at the beginning and said that you know, sustainability is a broad broad topic and i think we've mm-hmm. already covered multiple strands of that um what what advice would you give to customers that, that are either starting their sustainability journey or looking at their strategy? Because it is it, it, a difficult thing for organisations to really wrap their arms around and say, yeah, absolutely, I've got a sustainable uh, strategy and and it's absolutely defined.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And, and actually, if you think about it, you know, when you talk about sustainability, a lot of people – Think about CO2 reduction, yeah. So greenhouse gas um, emissions, um, and that's top of mind because of you know the government's uh, intention to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, as I've said. And um, there's various regulations coming down. COP26 was in Glasgow last year, yep. so that that made this top of mind as well. And actually, it's it's quite it's 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 one of those wicked problems that we've got to solve, right? We're built on. You know our society is built on burning hydrocarbons, right? Which release CO two. So that's a tricky one. But actually, CO two um, and climate protection, in of it, of itself, isn't really enough. Mm. Yeah, um, that's one pillar of that. If if I think about, you know, what we do at SAP, we we talk about the the three pillars of this. So um, zero emissions, so climate protection or climate action. Um, zero waste, so the circular economy. What are you doing there? How can you Reduce, reuse, renew, recycle, regenerate—those kind of things. Mm. But actually, the third pillar, um, which which sometimes, um, well, I view it as sustainability. But the third pillar that sometimes people don't think so much about is social responsibility. Mm. Yeah. So, um, how are you ensuring that you know health and safety incidents within your workforce aren't peaking in certain plants or certain areas? Um, how are you? Uh, removing as much unconscious bias as possible within an interview process as part of talent attraction, those kind of things. So thinking about things holistically, you know, if you're developing a strategy and trying to work out what this is, I mean, the first thing is great to have a strategy, right? Yeah, to a strategy. yeah, absolutely. Try and think about it holistically um, on some logical uh, segmentation, perhaps like, you know, zero emissions, zero waste, and, and zero inequality of social responsibility. But also, um, when we talk about that, there's there's, there's a natural progression through this. So first of all, as part of your strategy, you need to meet your global obligations, Mm -hmm. so whatever they might be. And to do that, you need to provide transparency into financial and non-financial data within your organisation. So you need to be able to address these regulations proactively. It's no good waiting for them to come and hit you in the face. You need to kind of get up alongside them and make sure it works. And how do you do that? Well, you do that with data. Yeah, so you need to start measuring things and baselining things <clears throat> because, as we all know, if you don't measure it, it doesn't change.
0: Absolutely, yeah? yep. Um, <laughs> and-,
1: um, and, and the second part of this, of, of a strategy as we see it, is okay, once you've measured those things, once you've measured them and you have some sustainability metrics, you derive some insight, um, you need to be able to optimize, right? So, the intelligent enterprise approach to optimize your business. So, embedding those sustainability metrics in your end-to-end business processes so that your colleagues at key moments can say, actually, I've got got the dashboard in front of me. If I make this decision, it it skews it this way. If I make this decision, it skews it the other way. But you're giving the opportunity to your business colleagues to make more sustainable business decisions whilst ensuring profitability at the same time. So that's kind of the second phase we, we kind of think about. And the third phase I think then is once you've optimized um, your business for profitability and sustainability metrics, thinking about okay, so I'm in this new sustainable world. what new products and services and business models are then open to me because yep. I'm doing this yeah and that's the key thing. So what is the opportunity in this? yeah, it's not just a big stick, but it's not just regulation. okay, what is the new market in the sustainable world? what can I offer? Yeah, And I think once you become a sustainable intelligent enterprise, you are agile enough to then, you know, take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. And and uh, I was reading the – I sound like I've been reading lots of reports recently, but I, I was reading the, the SAP in Oxford economic study. And the key yeah. thing that jumped right out at me, and there's loads of great things, and I'd point anyone to, to the SAP website to to download a copy of it. But one of the key topics there and metrics was 53% of – customers felt they had insufficient data uh, and, uh, and so were unable to analyze they didn't have a benchmark to work from and i think you were saying there that you know that's really important so you know i'm guessing you're doing a lot of work with sap both internally but from a, 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 a an intelligent enterprise point of view to start to collect that data for customers to be able to start to have a baseline to you know understand the impacts
1: yeah, abs- um, and, and that is the key thing. If you think about um, the, the data, data is a key part of this, obviously, because, as I said, you know, you can't change what you're, what you're not measuring. Um, um, and a lot of the data you need to calculate these sustainability metrics. I mean, if you look at the World Economic Forum framework of stakeholder capitalism, there's mm-hmm. various different, you know, there's three Ps, people, planet, prosperity. There's methods of calculating those different things. Yep. And if you think about the people area of that, where where are those data that you need to calculate those, those metrics? They're in your HR system. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about other aspects of this, that they'll be in your finance system, they could be in your travel system, they could be in there. So actually sourcing those data um, is a bit of a data exploration exercise. And mm. it just so happens, Jaron, that a lot of those data reside in SAP. Uh,
0: what, surprise, surprise, what surprise! Surprise! Yes, what surprise! Yes, I don't. Anyone would think it would. It's an ERP system, but they Anyone
1: would think it's yeah. an ERP. As well, yeah. it, but, in, interestingly, I know that um uh, we have uh an S for Hannah, obviously our yeah. our, our ERP system, um we do have um uh, a product management team that just focused on sustainability and working out for right. each sector industry which sustainability metrics they need to surface in those end-to-end business processes to enable people to make sustainable decisions. So right. finding those data is something and, and we're on a journey like everyone else, Joan, right? Yeah, we're on a yeah. journey. So um and we have bought some products to the market that do suck data out of different systems. Right. Yeah. To yep. actually do things like calculate um, the the CO two product uh, CO two footprint of a product at, you know a good that's manufactured yeah. yeah so that is taking data from various systems including materials data from ERP um, you know and things like that logistics data to work out what that product footprint would be um, and actually I can see more and more if you if you're looking at things like um, our responsible design and production offering, which is actually looking at things like extended producer responsibilities, you need to look at how things are constructed, what are all the materials that go into those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that you can start calculating these metrics. So it is all about the data. It certainly is for us. We're a bits and bytes company, right? That's what we do. Yeah, no, absolutely. and, and it's not just around you know, okay, well, here's what we think it is, right? here's what we think it is, right? Mm. The veracity of those data is really important as well. So when you're thinking about using um life cycle assessment data sources for things, how up to date are those? right mm. can we contribute to those? can we can we make them you know sharper? can we make them more relevant? Um, So, yeah, data is important. And and, and the data and the the veracity of those data is important. And when you think about it, when the regulator comes to you and says, "Okay, we've asked you to, you know, um, to produce this uh, financial disclosure, the task force for uh, climate related financial disclosures coming in. um, uh, Where's your reports? Here they are. Uh, and they come and say, "Well, how do we know this is right?" And start auditing the process. You've got to ensure that you know those data are true and right and factual. Yeah. And you're only going to do that if it's part of a system of record,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, and and it's interesting. Even even uh, recently, um, I was uh, booking booking some flights, and actually, it gave me back, you know, a, a breakdown. I said, you know, this is the CO two that you're going to expend on. On this flight, you know, this is the impact. If you catch a train instead, you know, this is how you could reduce it. So, it's it's having the information, it's having the data to make informed decisions, and also give us a nudge, really, give us a nudge. So uh, yeah, you know.
1: I mean, it's really important. I mean, obviously, if you think about our travel and expense system, Concur, we do that too, as you'd expect, right? of course. Um, um, and actually, you know, if you if you can then take those um, information and get people to move a little bit, mm. you know um then that's great i've heard also there's some 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 uh, uh some companies that are actually at their filling stations you know you've got a diesel or picture in the car are offering you the opportunity to pay a little bit extra for you to personally offset you know, the hydrocarbons that you're going to burn in your mode right. of transport, which is another interesting view. I mean, we could get all political and say, is it going to be burnt anyway and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah, let,
0: but let's not it's... do that, right? <laughs> but, but, <you> yeah. <laughs> but it, no, but it's, uh, it, it is an example, isn't it, of that data and it being, and it's like the old nudge effect, isn't it? You know, it just kind of uh, starts to make you think a little bit more about your right. actions as you go through your day-to-day uh, business. Now, uh, we, we talked a little bit, that you mentioned there about sort of um, non-financial uh, elements and uh, non-financial auditing, which I think is coming into Germany uh, mm. in the next year, which is going to be quite interesting. I mean, what drivers are on the horizon that you can see from a, a regulatory point of view coming down the line? I mean, we're just going to get more of this and, and more formalised auditing in that area?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, if you think about the ones that are, that people are talking to us about right now, um, things like the UK plastics tax that came in at the beginning of April, mm. a in mind for a lot of our customers, obviously, because there's a lot of plastic packaging used for in consumer um, CPG, and consumer products and goods, if you think consumer packaged goods. So they're going to be needing to pay £200 per tonne on plastic packaging that does not contain at least 30% recycled material, right? right. So that m- might feel like small beans, but actually, how do you work out if your plastic's got more than 30% recycled material or not? You know, so yeah. how do you do- so that's something that people are looking at now there's a similar thing in the eu the packaging levy that's 80 cents a kilogram of non-recycled plastic packaging right that you've got to do um uh, but something that's kind of on people's minds now right now which is coming down is the task force for climate related financial disclosure so larger companies in the uk will be mandated to improve and increased reporting of climate related financial information right so, right. so that is quite here yet, but that's coming, yep. right? So by the end of next year, there'll be some initial um, uh, disclosures required. I think 2025 is when that's coming down the line for, for everyone. But if you look at things like, um, if you look at things like automotive industry, right, and, mm. and, and the explosion of electric vehicles, um, there's something called the, the Battery Digital Product Passport. Um, so, and there's this conflict minerals regulation that's coming down the line. So these are the the the, the battery passports quite interesting. So they're going to be if you've got industrial rechargeable and, mm. and EV batteries, you require this passport that's detailing the composition, sourcing, and end of life processing info of wow. of, of the item. So that's coming in in 26, um, and then things like due diligence around uh, conflict minerals. So minerals like tin, um, uh, tantalum, tungsten, gold, sometimes are used to finance armed conflict uh, or mind using, you of know, um, yep. uh, you know, unethical labour. So there's going to be some due diligence requirements around those. So they're coming down the line as well. In fact, that, that one of the issues around this, Geron, is if you look globally at all, all of the regulations that are coming out, there are so many. There are so many. And if you're mm. a multinational company keeping track of all this yeah is um actually a a massive problem for a lot of customers it's like how do i ensure just if you think about plastics tax and extended producer responsibilities how do i ensure that you know i'm producing for these different geographies these different markets they've each got slightly different regulations Mm. yeah how do i ensure that i am in line with regulations throughout all of those market units that i'm operating in how does that work um, a lot of that's done on spreadsheets still, Jaron. I have to say. Well, but, yep. you know, we're looking at how we can help people with those kind of things.
0: And it's really interesting because if I went back four or five years ago, I was doing a lot of work with organisations, manufacturers that were really interested in the supply chain, but had switched on to the fact that they needed to have some security around that supply chain. And seeing mm-hmm. the extended supply chain and being certain where it came from was really, really important if I'm honest, it was more about sourcing. So if, you know, you, you, you were uh, a manufacturer making shovels, which had a, a major component of steel, and you were buying that from Poland, and the commodity prices started to change, should you then start sourcing from Australia, as an example. But it was all about understanding traceability of that supply chain. What we're now seeing is not only that from a financial point of view, but also one from a sustainable and an ethical point of view.
1: We are. We are. And, and actually, you're quite right. I mean, security of supply chain is vitally important for businesses, obviously. Mm. And having uh, multiple uh, uh, points of source so you can, you know, um, get things from different locations is important, especially with this, what's going on in the world today, quite frankly. But if yeah. you look at this from a, an ethical perspective, a sustainability perspective, um I was in a certain fast fashion retailer, beginning with P. Last weekend, with my daughter, yep. who was lifting my arm to, to buy some clothes, and they were every poster on the wall was uh, virtually every poster was talking about sustainability. They were talking about the provenance of their cotton, how that's dyed, yep. you know, what they're doing to reduce the water content of that. So, um fashion brands are talking about the provenance of their materials, uh, and it's actually a selling point now for them. Yeah. You know? mm. um, and if you think about, um, but, but more of just just past sort of f- fashion, um, if I think about petrochemical industries, right, I was talking to a customer and they have hydrocarbon feedstocks coming into their processing plant,
0: right? right. Yep.
1: Now, some of those are eco feedstocks, so they're recycled hydrocarbons. Some of them are just fresh out of the, uh, the ground, as it were. Right. The end product that comes out of the polymerization plant is – is exactly the same. It doesn't matter what feedstock goes in because they're all hydrocarbons, right? Yeah. But actually then they're thinking about, okay, how do we transfer the eco value of that? Say it's 20% eco feedstock coming in. How does that get transferred around my manufacturing process? Right. Um, And how, how at the end of that do I then decide which, you know, which of the end product is then eco, you know, yeah. and, and which yeah. isn't, and which is kind of recycled and those kind of things. So, how you transfer the value and the credentials of something along the value chain is quite important then, isn't it? It's, it's really quite important. And if you think about um, uh, the greenhouse gas uh, protocol, if um, you're someone like me, you've read it, you'll understand what scope three means and yeah. actually understand that um, uh, if it, well, if you, you know, need, need to... <laughs> I,
0: I can't say Zachary that I, I would be, I would be lying, you know, I'd be Pinocchio <laughs> no, 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 if no, I no, told I you that I I'd got it by my bedside table, but uh, no, last night. No.
1: Well, but in order to um, calculate the different scopes that are, that are defined in the greenhouse gas protocol, um, you need to understand um, the uh, the CO2 emitted, uh, and well, other greenhouse gases as well, obviously. But um, through the products and services that you buy into your organisation, yeah. Yep. So if you think about that, going back to the automotive industry again, because they've got lots of challenges right now, I have to say. If you tried to buy a new car recently, Jeremy? Uh, I, I,
0: well, interestingly yeah. enough, I, I took my son's. Um, sort of seven-year-old uh, VW Polo in to be serviced and mm. was amazed at, you know, the trading price that they were actively trying to give me because trying to get hold of good low-mileage second-hand cars is not impossible as well.
1: Well, it's not impossible. It is not impossible. And lots of people want to transition to electric vehicles, and I, I've tried a few out. I, I haven't made the move yet, let me tell you, because, you know, I want to get every last possible bit of value out of the cars that I bought because yep. there is a trade-off in that as well, right? So... Um, So we do that. But if you're looking about in the automotive industry with the complicated supply chains that they have, not only do they need to ensure that they have um, enough, uh, you know, uh silicon chips coming in so they can actually make these things but yep. they now need to understand what is the greenhouse gas emitted in the production of those parts as it goes along so how do the automotive industry how does the automotive industry exchange that carbon data in a secure way yep. so they can still continue to collaborate but meet their reporting um reg- you know regulations and obligations so there's there's lots of these different things thinking about the different supply chains and the interconnectedness of things which is why actually the business network's time is is now, right, I, I, I think. If you think about yeah. um, the business networks around, you know, your suppliers, um, your buyers, your customers, if you think about even things like procurement, right, when you're procuring things as part of a business, um, why aren't you procuring from social enterprises? You know, I mean, hmm. if it's something as mundane as paper for the printer, yeah, right? you know, you've got an option now of, you know, getting it from your regular supplier – um, and probably for the same price, getting it from someone who um, does more good. Yeah, we we we've we've done that at SAP, for example. And this is why, you know, I think you know the, the the traceability and sourcing of things is so important. We used to have coffee in our in our UK offices that came from a large brand beginning with C. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can kind of probably guess who that was. But yeah. um, just <laughs> in the before times, just before the pandemic, um, we decided that actually. Uh, we were going to change that coffee to an organization called Change Please, right? And right. Change sure. Please, um, uh, they're a social enterprise and what they do is they work with people who experience homelessness, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, get them back with, um, you know, into business, train them as baristas, kind of do all that kind of thing. So actually, us sourcing that coffee Right, and I know this is a bit different from a supply chain question, but us sourcing that question um, uh, from a different supplier, if you like, right, Mm. and understanding that they're a a social enterprise and what they're doing was a a no cost change for us, but it's something that's that's helping. So there's a couple of things in there, isn't there? There's a couple of things in there. Um, You know, traceability of things um, is really important. I talk to customers and. Actually, if you think about people, that they want to have sustainability properties associated with the things that they're then putting together or all making and and yep. and selling on. So it's those kind of things, and you can only do that if you understand uh, the provenance of those things and where they've come from. But equally, once you start looking at this and sourcing different things, you can actually make some more positive. uh, Some positive choices about where you get them from, and actually, you know, when you're spending money sourcing these things, why not spend it, you know, um, for good?
0: And so, the point earlier on that all of these things are going to get to a point where you're going to have to, if not from a regulatory point of view, from a social responsibility point of view, be able to capture all of these different things that you're doing and be able to prove that you're doing them and monitor them as well. So having a system that will pull all of that together, report on it, and allow you to make judgment on it is going to be absolutely key.
1: Absolutely. So if if you think about, you know, what, what we call that, that's ESG reporting, right? Environment, yeah. social and governance reporting. Um, and, and it's really important. Find, find any big organization, look in their investor report, um, and they'll talk about their ESG profile, um, and they'll probably have a separate sustainability report as well. They talk about it in the investor in their investor reports, because actually um, investors are now looking for positive ESG profiles for companies right before they invest. It's part of their yep. you know decisions when they're kind of putting their portfolios together. Um, so actually, you know, surfacing those data, finding those data, calculating them in the right way. And there's all sorts of frameworks for this. You know, I mentioned the World Economic Forum framework. Um, there's GRI, there's standards, um, uh, there's science-based targets. There's all sorts of things. Um, but actually, these are all coming together, right? So, you know, pick one, work out how you're going to do it, find out how you can make those reports. But crucially, and this is this is the big thing for me, reporting isn't enough, Jaron. It's really not enough. Yeah yeah you need to take those sustainability metrics once you've calculated them and shout about them um get everyone involved in your organization yeah mm. um uh, to to look at them and embed them in those end-to-end processes right embed them into those end-to-end processes because um actually just how are you supposed to um make the right decision if you don't have the information in front of you
0: yeah no absolutely and I think that 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 uh... Messages coming over loud and clear. Now, I'm conscious you're a busy man and uh, time is pressing, but uh, last few questions, I mean, from a lessons learned uh, perspective, I mean, it's always really useful to to come back to a client and say, you know, what are the common traps that you typically see um, clients fall fall into?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I preface my answer with saying SAP's on a journey, as long as everyone else. Absolutely, we all are. That said, <laughs> yeah, when I, you know, um, a lot of the time people just don't know where to start, yeah. It seems like a very big problem to solve, mm. yeah. They might do something like appoint um, a chief sustainability officer, it used to be the, the finance officer that had to kind of do this stuff, but increasingly, there's chief sustainability officers, um, and say, Look, you know, improve the organization's sustainability, but actually. One thing that I see um, is it's, you know, it's really not just the chief sustainability officer's problem, Hmm. right? So if you give it on one person or one team to do, they won't have the reach. They won't have the influence. Um, You know, we all work in matrix organizations these days. You can't really mandate these things happen in far-flung parts of your business. So you need to ensure that everyone is on the journey with you because it's a team game. Right, yeah. So if if you think about other, I mean, you know, rather stereotypical personas in different businesses, but, you know, if I'm a marketing person in an organisation, I want to create like a green buzz and positive perception about my company's green credentials, yeah, right, or sustainability, such as in social media, in the press, all that kind of stuff. Um, if I'm in finance, I've got new rules and regulations for financial governance and taxes that I've got to meet. Um, if I'm in procurement, I need to ensure my suppliers are socially responsible, ethical, um, ethical, auditable. I mentioned about HR and talent attraction. You know, an yep. HR person needs to attract um, top talent, but you do that by demonstrating that you're a responsible, caring company. Mm. Uh, I mean, I could go on, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so many people in an organization that need, uh, that, that actually generally have a green imperative on their agenda. So I think that the, the, the common thing that I would say is, and it's not a technical thing, right, but it's take people with you. To take people with you, yeah. You know, that, that, that's the most important thing. And sustainability is a team game, right? And oftentimes, I talk to uh, clients, I talk to them about our ESG profile um, on certain platforms. It's very good, I'm not going to uh, bleat about it right now. But they say, Well, how did you get there? Yeah, how did you get there? How did you do that? And we're very happy to work with people mm. to put them in touch with the people in, in the different areas of our business to talk about how we got there. Because actually, we're, we're all in this together, aren't we, it, it's, right, you
0: it, know, It's really interesting, isn't it? Because if you you talked about business networks earlier on and, and networks and the power of networks and the importance of them. And, you know, if this was 20 years ago, you know, you get the sense that everyone would keep things very quiet because they got an edge over someone else. But actually, we've now got to the point this is collective and everyone is trying to share with everyone else, you know, their lessons and what they're doing and how they're going about it. And uh, and trying to sort it out, and I do take your point. It's no good giving someone a big badge saying sustainability, uh, and uh, and letting the rest of the organisation get on with it.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, look, we're all in it together. Uh, if we don't fix this, you know, our children or possibly our grandchildren will be swimming to work. That's not going to work for anyone, no. right? You know, so so we, we need to get on board with this. And you know, as as, as long as we're all working together and moving towards this. Uh, and, and oftentimes saying well people saying well you know there's these other things you're working with large oil and gas companies why are you doing that or are there still corporate jets at sap and all that kind of thing and it's like well of course there's still a corporate jet at sap yeah right no that isn't going to change the guy's got to get around the place and of course we're still working with large oil and gas companies but we're doing that to help them pivot yeah right we're doing that to help them pivot because their their sustainability imperatives if we look at the energy industry you know, if I'm an oil and gas um, producer, I dig hydrocarbons out of the ground with a view to, you know, selling them, burning what, whatever it is. That's energy, but it's not very good energy with with, with, with relation to, to um, uh, carbon emissions. So their imperatives are very different to someone else in the energy industry who's looking at renewables. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So everyone's journey is different. We all need to be working together um, and, you know, uh, I think SAP is in a unique position because actually a lot of the data you need to measure that and make those decisions is in software, yeah. you know, that we provide. So, you know, the offer open. If you'd like to talk to me about how SAP can help you become a more um, sustainable, intelligent em- enterprise, I'd welcome the conversation.
0: Well, I think you've covered this final, final question, but I think you've really covered it in, and and maybe, maybe it's just... To, to really nail it home and what key advice would you give now to clients looking at their sustainability journey and how can sap really assist them
1: yeah um i i think it, it, it's interesting isn't it and and how you do this right but i think we we there's there's five things really there's five things really right that what well, i think we can help with right so the first thing is Make sure you've got a sustainable business strategy, right? So that yeah. is the, the first thing. Make sure you've got that strategy. Now, we did some work with the um, um, uh, with Oxford Economics just recently, and there's this, this uh, a new report just dropped today, I think, or, or or early in the week, early in the week. But it did say that out of the 2,000 execs we we polled, mm. um, 63% of them have got a sustainability strategy in place. Yep. Yeah. So there's still a big chunk of people that don't have a sustainability yeah. strategy in place, right? So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is really, and and this is, you know, there are people that can help with the sustainable business strategy. That's potentially not SAP's bag, right? Yep. You know, but what yep. we can help you with is embedding your sustainable business data into your processes and networks, right? Yep. So, finding yep. those data, gaining some insight, and embedding those into your business processes and networks, right? Um, the third thing, uh, and again, this is something that SAP can help with, is um managing your carbon and climate exposure throughout the business, mm. yeah? So we've got various offerings that help you track that, optimize that, you know, um, yep. measure those things. Um, and that is, a you know, a, a financial and reputational risk, if you don't get that right these days, because it's top of everyone's mind. Um, the fourth thing is around embracing circularity, becoming regenerative, mm. yeah? So, um you know, using operating principles to avoid reuse, reduce, recycle, reclaim materials. so obviously a lot of our customers mm-hmm. uh, are manufacturing yep. physical things, so we can help with those kind of things. Uh, uh, but the fifth one, and probably the most important one for me, is prioritizing people across your value chain. Yeah? so social respect uh, re- uh, social sustainability, um, respecting your workforce diversity, their safety and human rights. How do you help them grow and develop as people,
0: mm. um,
1: uh, and those kind of things? So, it, it, there's the five things, right? The five things, but the most important one, I'd say, is you know, look after your people, right? Look after your people.
0: Absolutely. Well, what what a way to to end the podcast. Wise words indeed, Zachary. I know you're incredibly busy, and and thank you so much for freeing up time uh, to to be with me today. And uh, anyone that uh, wants to catch up with Zachary can, can find him at SAP UK.
1: Thanks very much, Jerry. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you.